Good morning, everybody. How you doing? The last Sunday of 2015, can you believe it? Man, it's crazy. And we get to uh, hang out together and uh, ring out the old year, and then next week we'll get together and ring in the new year. And if you're online watching, we're glad you're here. I know several of you hit me up, said you're out of state, but you're going to be with us. So glad that you're here, and uh, I'm excited to share with you today. I think, I think every parent has experienced this at least once, and it's both embarrassing and terrifying. And I remember a time that we experienced uh, this. Uh, it was my wife, Rika, myself, and we had taken Cruz and Isabel on vacation. Uh, uh, Isabel was six and Cruz was seven. And it was one of those just cram in the car and drive vacations, right? We were on the roads for like two weeks. And so uh, we were living in California and we packed up the car with, you know, one of those types of packed jobs where you literally have to like, you know, okay, hold it and then shut the door so everything doesn't fall out crammed the kids in there, and just hit Highway 1 and went up Highway 1, just enjoyed the majestic northwest coastline. And we had family in Oregon. And so uh, part of our time there, we hung out with some of our family members in Oregon. And so we're hanging out at my aunt and uncle's house, and uh, my aunt and Rika, they said, hey, we're going to run some errands. We're going to go to the store. So we're going to leave with the kids with you. Do you've got the kids? I'm like, I got the kids. Got this, you know? And uh, some of you are laughing. What? What? You don't trust me? <laughs> so anyways... You've heard the story, I guess. No. Um, so so uh, they take off. They go to the store. And Cruz and Isabel have their scooters. And they're just kind of riding around the house and climbing in and out of the house. And I'm checking with them and playing with them. And my uncle and I, in the meantime, are outside also uh, kind of tinkering around on his car. He's trying to change his brakes. I'm helping him out. And then a little bit later, the ladies come home. And uh, we're, we're out and about. And, 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 and Enrique goes, well, there's Isabel. Where's Cruz? I'm like, well, he's right over here. He was here. And so, well, we went inside the house. Nope. Went around the house. Nope. Cruz is gone. He's missing an action. And so it's one of those terrifying moments as a parent when you lose a kid, all right? And you have no idea where they're at. And so everything, except your imagination, stops, right? And so instantly, you know, mama's got him by the side of the road dead, hit by a car, and, you know, and, you know, this big van picked him up and took him off. You know, that stuff happens, so it's understandable. And we're like, so we're just searching. We just, we start this little search party as a family. So here's what he did. Like a beagle dog with his nose to the ground, he just got on that scooter and decided to see where to go. And so he was like three or four blocks away, and he had found a, a neighbor's garage sale. <laughs> and he was just sitting there munching on popcorn and lemonade and hanging out with the kids playing. And like no care in the world. And we're like freaking out, you know? And so obviously when we found him, man, the, the, the relief and the joy that we felt was unbelievable. And, and of course, my wife was conflicted. She didn't know whether she should celebrate that we found him or just kill me then or whatever. And, and it was one of those moments where I got mocked many times by family members for, hey, I got this, you know? And, and uh, it was one of those moments. But the relief and joy felt when we found him was immeasurable. Because when you seek for something and you find it, you celebrate. There's great joy. There's great joy. And I want to I share this principle that Jesus captured about that. Jesus talked about multiple times, but in this one particular spot, he talked about the joy of finding that which is lost. I want to take you to that passage. So open up your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 15 today. Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're going to be in verses 1 through 10 and as, as is typical, Jesus is, is teaching in parables. This is, he's notorious for teaching in parables to try to convey deeper spiritual meanings uh, using earthly examples. And so here he's going to really uh, try to use 
something that we experience in the material, earthly, physical world to convey a reality that's true in the spiritual world, the eternal world. And so we see in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, this passage. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Father, the concept that one lost person one estranged child of yours grieves your heart is a reality. And Lord, the fact that one lost person, one broken person estranged from you coming to you in faith in Christ, bringing great joy to your heart is something that we need to take to heart. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage, as we look back at this year, as we talk about uh, some things we can learn here, Lord, I pray that you move in our hearts. I pray that you do a work in us, Lord, Give us reason to celebrate. Lord, more importantly, let us give you reason to celebrate. So God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. Jesus is using this example to to talk about how the spiritual should take priority over the material. And he seeks out the souls of people, and he invites us to be part of seeking out the souls of lost people and the celebration that takes place place when that happens. Now, obviously, the greater context is that Jesus was receiving criticism from, you know, the religious elite that were basically spiritual snobs, and they're, you know, thinking that, oh, he's hanging out with these bad people, and he's basically showing, hey, every, every soul counts, right? Every lost person counts. And I just want to look at this passage really briefly and look at four observations when it comes to seeking the lost. Four observations that we can see here when it comes to seeking the lost. First, we see value. We see value. The people in this parable put great value on the item that was lost. The sheep had great value to the man. The coin had great value to the woman. Obviously, sheep, especially if you had 100 of them, um, that was you know, uh, income, that was food, that was materials, that was you know, a lot of different things that, that were used at the time, so there was value. For the woman, 10 coins. Uh, you know, a lot of commentators say that uh, these 10 coins could have been a dowry for you know, future marriage, or this could have been something after the marriage. A lot of times, uh, Jewish women would wear tin coins uh, in, a, in a necklace fashion over their, over their head, and that was a symbol, like, much like our wedding ring, was a symbol of, of their vows and their, and their marriage, and so one of those coins would have had great value. But either way, we see that in the story that Jesus is telling, that these sheep and these, this, the sheep and this coin had great value. But then as he continues to tell the story, we see, oh, but he's saying that the soul... The souls of mankind have greater value. They're the most important thing. I mean, can we just stop here and agree that when you survey life, 
And you look at all that we can possess and all that we can own and all that we can experience and all that we wake up and chase after and all that we go after, can we just agree that ultimately the thing that has the greatest worth above all else is the human soul? The human soul. Because everything else we're leaving behind. We're leaving everything else behind. But the human soul goes on for eternity. So the condition of that soul, the destination of that soul, makes that soul more valuable than any thing else. And I think we lose that sometimes. We, we lose it when we just, we live in this world and we start to think worldly and we start to lose sight of the spiritual and the eternal. And we start to look at the temporal instead of the eternal. And we go, oh, wait a second. All these people, like that person that really annoys me or like my precious children, they all have a soul. We all have a soul. And when this body dies or when Jesus comes back, <laughs> The soul's destination will either be heaven with God forever or hell apart from God forever. So therefore, there's nothing more valuable than a soul. And Jesus is conveying this. And he's saying, your soul has great value. You know, we talked about this Christmas Eve a few nights ago. We looked at that song, Oh Holy Night. I shared with you one of my favorite lyrics from that song, that when Christ came, it says, the soul felt its worth. Like, we have to understand something. Your soul has immeasurable worth to the Heavenly Father who made you. Like, He loves you. You have so much worth, and it's so hard sometimes to receive that because we live in a world where sometimes people in our life have spoken and devalued us. Some of you are probably here struggling. We've talked to some of you struggling. Going, I don't know what my worth is like. My, my worth has been affected. But if you really look to the Father, not to humans, but if you look to the Father and realize that he loves you so much that he got up close and personal by coming down in the flesh, Jesus Christ, that, that virgin birth we just celebrated, the perfection in his life, the death on the cross, that the cross is a symbol of God's love, and it's a symbol of your worth. If anyone ever is speaking to you in such a way where you don't know your worth, just look to the cross. No, that's how much God loves me. That's how much I'm worth. He, he would give his only son for my soul? Man, he demonstrates the value he places on our soul on the cross. And then he invites us in to share the value of the soul. Like, like, God does the saving. We don't save souls. God does the saving of the souls. But he invites us in as part of the search process. We're part of the search party that God has decided to use to seek after souls. Why? Because they have great value. So therefore, we are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin. We're the kid that wandered off and eating popcorn and lemonade somewhere else, you know? That, that's us. But the Heavenly Father seeks after us. He pursues us. Why? Because of the value that we have in his eyes. And we could stop there. You can put your head on your pillow and just rejoice in the fact that the Heavenly Father loves you. And he's a good, good father. And he values your soul. And he wants us to value the soul. And he wants us to seek after the soul. And so we celebrate. We celebrate when a lost soul is reconciled to God. But here's the thing. You have to seek in order to celebrate. You have to have a reason to celebrate, so you've got to be part of the seeking process. But first, you have to see the value. You have to see value in order to seek in the human soul. Secondly, we see this. We see value, and we also see intentionality. Intentionality. Both the people in the story that Jesus tells uh, made great efforts to seek that which was lost, right? And so the man left 99 perfectly healthy, happy sheep in the care of someone else in the open field and went after the lost sheep. 
That took effort. That took intentionality. I wonder where that sheep is. Where have I found him before when he maybe wandered off? Where, where, you know, where's a good place? Where would I go if I have a sheep? The mind's engaged. You know, we're, we're trying to think. There's intentionality. He you know, gets whatever he needs together and goes after the sheep. And he's hiking around and he's looking around. And he, he's got to find the thing and pick up the thing and put it on his shoulders. He's got to come back. Like it took a lot. It burned calories to get that sheep, you know? It was intentional. It was effort. You didn't just hang out thinking, well, it'll come back someday. The woman looking for the coin. Look, we can all relate to her, right? Some of you are like, I don't know if a sheep wandered off. Some of you that have had loved ones wandered off from the Lord, you can relate to the sheep thing. Some of you that have wandered off, you know, and Isaiah tells us we're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Some of you can go, that's me. But the coin thing, like a lot of us can really relate to that. How many times have you turned your house upside down looking for a set of keys, a phone, a wallet, something you lost, right? We've all done it. We've all done it. Just flipped our house upside down looking for something. Here's a woman who's lost a coin. Maybe it's that dowry. Maybe it has great value. Well, you know, Middle East home and ancient Middle East, there's not electricity. So she's got to light a lamp and search through her house. And she's probably on her hands and knees and looking on the ground and looking for where she could have left this coin. Like we can all relate to that. Dark room, flashlight, under the fridge, under the couch, you know, like looking. That took energy. She burned calories looking for this coin, all right? And it took a lot of intentional effort. You know, when, when we think about seeking after lost souls, it's an intentional effort. People don't just accidentally get saved. You know, we've talked about this. So many people have kind of adopted this mindset that as we live to just kind of share the love of God that we found, maybe if I'm just nice, somehow people are going to like just understand the gospel. I'm just going to be nice, and one day they're going to go like, you know what, I think I've interpreted from the way that you're very nice, that you love God, and that, you know, I'm a sinner, and I'm lost and broken, and that God loves me and values my soul, and he came down in person, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross, but don't worry, he rose from the grave three days later, and then he ascended into heaven to purchase my soul so that I could have eternal life and new life with Christ. Thank you for being nice to me. They're not going to accidentally come to that conclusion. We've got to open our mouth and share the good news. Silence is not good news. The proclaimed gospel of Jesus Christ and his love for us and his death on the cross and resurrection, that's the gospel, that's good news. But it does have to be packaged by nice people, <laughs> by loving people, by caring people, not by arrogant people and, and, and venomous people. And so it takes intentionality to, to build relationships. It takes intentionality to go after those who don't know the Lord. And we, we've challenged you guys to do that. We said, man, live as a missionary, cleverly disguised as whatever you are in the moment. Be, be a life house. Literally adopt like your immediate eight neighbors and just say, God put them next to me for a reason. God put me next to them for a reason. So therefore, I'm going to pray for them by name. I'm going to figure out more about who they are and how I can pray for them. I'm going to find ways that I can serve them and love on them. And when God opens the doors, I'm going to be ready to share when God opens that opportunity. Like that, that's intentionality. That takes effort. And, and it's, it's sad because none of us would say that we care more about our phone or care more about our wallet or care more about our keys than a human soul. None of us would say that. But the question is, if someone watched us go through our life, could they say that about us? Man, I, man they lost their phone one time. You should have seen what that, the lengths that person went to to find that phone. And yet we're surrounded by lost souls all the time. What lengths do we go to? What lengths do we go to to share the most important news? Like, how many calories do we burn praying for the lost. Like literally. Like I'm not, I'm not, that's not metaphorical. Like how many calories do we burn praying for lost people, loving lost people, and sharing the gospel and being intentional? 
you know, Fitbits are a big deal, right? Love a Fitbit, it's cool to put that thing on, it can measure your steps, sleep patterns, all this other stuff. What if there was like a spiritual Fitbit? And it measured how many spiritual steps you took in trying to reach out to people who d- didn't know the Lord. How many steps of reaching lost souls, seeking out lost souls, would we acquire in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it takes intentionality. It takes effort. And we have to make the effort. We have to make the effort to seek because when we seek, people get found. The Lord does that. He uses us. And then we celebrate. But you can't celebrate unless you seek. So we've got to be part of the seeking process. Thirdly, we see this. We see value. We see intentionality. We see community. We see community. A lot of people miss this when they read this passage. Some of you have read this passage before. A lot of you miss this. This is, this is really neat. When you look back in Luke chapter 15, Look at verse 6, for example. The man that lost the sheep and found it. Here's what Jesus said. He says, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep that was lost. He, he, he called his friends and neighbors over to celebrate with him in community, right? Same thing with the woman. When you look at verse, uh, what is that, 9? And when she found it, she called together her friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I lost. This whole seeking lost souls, it's a community thing. There there are millions of people that don't know Christ. Millions. That's a huge burden. That's a huge burden. But it's not a burden we bear as an individual. It's It's a burden we bear as a community, as the church. We bear that burden. That's why we started off this year praying, Lord, stir in me a greater burden for those who don't know you. We prayed, pray in us that we would stir in us a greater burden that we would have for the lost people, the people that don't know you. And so I I love this community piece here because the the seeking experience isn't done in isolation. Like whenever something good happens, it's a bummer if you have no one to tell, right? Like if something good happens, you know, you you propose to someone and they say yes, if if, if you're like, well, I guess I'll just keep that to myself, you know. We don't don't do that. Baby's born, grandbaby's born, whatever it is. We're not like, oh, I'm just going to kind of keep that to myself. I mean, we can't wait to tell people. We, we want that to be a community experience. We want others to celebrate with us when we have good news. There's no greater news than when a broken, lost person who's destined for hell does a U-turn, gets right with God through faith in Christ, and goes to heaven. There's no greater news. And so when lost people get found, we rejoice with that, and we celebrate that as a community. That's why we say, hey, I'm praying for so-and-so. Would you pray for so-and-so with me? And hey, um, I had this great conversation, and, and man, tell me about it, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. We do it in community. That's one of the reasons we, we put these prayer cards up this year. And I'll talk a little bit more about how we, our theme for the year, but, but all these cards that we see up here, each one of these cards has 10 names. Some have a little less, some have a little more. But all these names, why do we put these on, a, on, on these boards and put them in a prayer room in our church? Because praying for lost people is a community experience. Many of you have cards up here. There, there's, there's almost 8,000 names up here right here. There's about 8,000 names that, that we together as a community have brought to the rest of the community to say, would you join me in prayer for these names? And many of you have gone into our prayer room and have walked up to these boards and have walked up to one of these names going, I have no idea who Chelsea is. But Lord, I pray that Chelsea will come to know you. God, would you, would, you bring a, would you bring someone in Chelsea's life today that would have a conversation with her that would trigger spiritual conversation? And Lord, would you use that to draw herself to you? Some of you prayed for Chelsea. Some of you walked up here and going, I have no idea who Aaron is. 
I don't even know if Aaron's a boy or a girl because that name works both ways, you know? So Lord, I pray for him or her, whichever it is. And God, lift up Aaron. And God, would you, would you visit Aaron in some way today? Would you, would you draw his heart to you, draw her heart to you? And, we, and we've prayed for these things. Why? It's community. And it's been so cool to know that so many of you put these names up here and there's little um, hash marks with highlighters on these cards because someone walked up here and prayed for them. Some of you walked up here and prayed for names you've never heard of, people you don't know. Why? It's a community experience. The seeking, the finding, the celebrating. It's not done in a vacuum. It's done in community. Come. Come. Come and see what's been found. I rejoice with that with you. And so we do that in community. We, we want, not just me, but we want more people to say, I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. Like we have a common focused goal that collectively as we grow in our own walk with Christ, we're constantly out there trying to help others meet Christ. We want that. It's not just me. It's not just the person next to you. We want that. And with the community our size and with the family our size, imagine what God is going to do, has done, is going to continue to do if we're really diligent to pray and speak the gospel and love on people. It's a community experience. But you have to seek You've got to be part of the seeking process to celebrate what the community celebrates. Fourthly, we see this. We see value. We see intentionality. We see community. And lastly, we see celebration. We see celebration. This man and this woman rejoiced when they found what was lost. I found my sheep. I'm excited. I rejoice. I found my coin. I rejoice. Whenever we find something lost, we rejoice. When a person's not right with God and they're found, we rejoice. You know, Christmas Eve. Um, we laid the gospel out there. We, we shared about Christ. Fifteen people indicated that they trusted in Christ on Christmas Eve. And, and a lot of you as believers, you hear that and you go, oh, that's so awesome. What is it inside of us that goes, that's so awesome that that person just started a relationship with Christ? We know what they were saved from and we know what they were saved to. <laughs> and so we celebrate that and we want that for our loved ones. That's why some of you are in pain right now because you've got children, you've got parents, you've got spouses that they don't know the Lord yet. And, and, and you're being diligent just to pray for them and just to love them and just try to show them what it means to follow Christ. And, 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 and you so greatly desire that one day you'll be able to celebrate with them. Like you yearn and long for the celebration of when they meet the God who made them. And they abandon whatever argument, they abandon whatever obstacle is keeping them from having this amazing relationship with God where they just yield themselves to the mystery and the beauty of a God who holds all things together and who's sovereign as in charge. Man, we, we all long for that. We all long to celebrate that. And so we experience joy when the lost gets found. You know, when a lost person gets found, they're pretty happy too, you know. Hopefully you know that. When I, man, when I came to Christ, and, and we've, I've talked to several people in the last month, they've, they've explained how when they gave their life to Christ, like just something went off, you know? Just like a firework of joy inside their heart, you know? Just boom. And it was like, man, just, and, and God became very real. Still lots of questions. Still lots of things to figure out. But once you say yes to Jesus, like the, the process begins. And when the Lord comes in, the process begins. Some of you might be sitting here. Some of you might be watching online. You don't know the Lord yet. I'm going, to, I'm going to share some stuff. People are praying for you. And some of you are like, I know, I know, I know. No, they're really praying for you. They're praying that you discover this joy of knowing Christ. They, they, they pray you discover the joy of being forgiven for all your sins. 
They pray you discover the purpose and the, the zeal for life that comes with knowing God. They're praying that when you come to know the Lord, you're not going to buy into that lie that, oh, everything will be perfect, but that you'll draw to Christ when stuff gets tough in life. And they're loving on you by praying for you. And they're, they're hoping that you get right with God before it's too late, before Christ returns like he promised, or before your last day, which you have no idea when that is. And so many people are like, well, you know, it's down the road. You don't know if it's down the road. And so we have to get right with God, and we celebrate with people. So the person who gets found celebrates. The person who is seeking after them and part of the process celebrates. And you know who else celebrates? The Lord. The Lord celebrates when the lost get found. Look, look again at verse 7. Jesus says, just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Same thing in verse 10. Just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I don't know if you've thought about that, but when you trusted in Christ as your Savior, you brought God joy. He had a party in heaven for you. That's amazing to think about. And when you think about the millions and millions of people who've turned to Christ and have trusted the Lord, God has had millions and millions of parties. People want to say, like, heaven's going to be boring? I don't think so. A place that has millions and millions of parties? Yeah, not going to happen. When, when your children, for those of you who are parents who've seen your children, when your children trusted in Christ, God parties. When your spouse, when your family, when your friends, when your neighbors trusted in Christ. It, got, it brought joy to the Father. You know, we, we, we tend to have this list of reasons why we can't share Christ. Well, and some of them are legitimate, I understand, but we've got to work through those. I'm, I'm afraid, uh, I'm going to say something stupid, they're not interested. Uh, no, we have this long list. There's a, lo there's, a, there's a list that's equally as long, if not longer maybe, for why we should share with Christ. But if we were probably just to go to one item on those lists and go, would this just be enough motivation? Here's one. I want to bring joy to the heart of my Father. I just want to bring joy to the heart of my Father. If me sharing Christ with someone is part of the process that God used in them coming to know Him as Savior, and that brings Him joy, I'm, I'm just excited because we're always like, God, what are you going to bring me? God, bring me joy. God, bring me joy. God, bring me joy, right? That's the human existence. God, you exist to make me happy. We know that's wrong. We know it's bad theology, but we still live by that sometimes. God, would you just give me your joy, which he's promised to give us. That's not a bad request. But when do we get to flip it and go, God, I just want to give you joy. I just want to bring you joy. And if a person coming to Christ brings you joy, then I'm going to work harder at trying to do my part at seeking so I can be part of celebrating. That's part of the experience. We want more joy. And so we rejoice when the lost get found. But you've got to have that value for the human soul. You've got to have the intentionality, like this man and the woman did in G the story of Jesus. It's a community activity, an event, an experience. And it's something we celebrate. But you have to seek in order to celebrate. Speaking of celebrating, I just want to do a, just a tiny touch on 2015. Spend a few minutes celebrating some of what we've taken place. So when we kicked off this year, we, we gave it a theme called New Life 1024. The challenge was this, and, and we, we were focusing, we were emphasizing this year on being a beloved child of God. We were, we were emphasizing evangelism and outreach. We said, okay, if a thousand of us all prayed for 10 people, that's 10,000 names. That's where the number 10 came from. 
So we've got about 8,000 names. Are we disappointed that it's not 10? Nope, not at all. How many churches out there are praying for 8,000 people by name? So we celebrate that. We said if those same 1,000 people would commit to having two new life conversations, share the gospel somehow, some way, twice a month, that'd be 24,000 gospel conversations in a year. Did we measure that? No, because it's kind of pretty much impossible to measure. Did we think we hit 24,000? I don't know. Probably not. But that, was that the point? No. I believe that we had more gospel conversations as a faith community this year than we have in years prior. Why? Because you guys are being intentional. You guys are going about it. And so the point wasn't to, to hit the numbers. The point was to create a new norm. And I believe, after listening to so many of you, that so many of you have grown in your heart and your longing and your engagement with those who don't know the Lord because of this year. Because we brought in a guy like Jimmy Scroggins at the beginning of the year and said, hey, we're going to do a training to just give us a conversation guide. And we introduced you to the three circles, which we still think is, is one of the most phenomenal conversation guides out there to share the good news of Jesus. It's not the only one. It's not the best one, but it's a good one. We use it. And so 400 of us showed up, learned how to do that, and so many of you have used it since. You know, that's why we brought in a guy like Jonathan Dotson, you know, just a few months ago and said, hey, let's talk about sharing the gospel with those of a different faith background or a different mindset. And that's why so many of us, several hundred of us showed up just to learn how to share. We, we did all that. Why? To, to create a new norm. Not to check the box, go, oh, yeah, I remember that like three, four years ago when we did the whole evangelism thing. No, 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 no. This is a new norm for us. This is to raise the normalcy in the area of sharing our faith. And these are the intentional efforts that we ask you guys. We also say, would you go online and would you just share some of your stories? Like as you are praying for people, talking to people, would you share some of the stories with us? And some of you did that. Here's just a couple of the stories that, that stood out to me, and I, I picked these intentionally. Um, Steve. Steve said, I had a huge open door to share the gospel with the person that I used to work with many years ago. They approached me a couple days ago, began to tell me of how broken their life had become. They were certain that God wanted nothing to do with them and wanted desperately to know how to get God's attention. It was the perfect opportunity to use the three circles with them, and by the end of our conversation, they were almost ready to give their life to Christ. We have plans to talk again and address some of the other questions he has. Did Steve's friend give his life to Christ? No, not yet. But there's movement. And Steve stepped out, showed value of soul. He showed intentionality. He shared it in a community fashion. He celebrated the movement that was there. And, and we'll see what the Lord's going to do with that. Nancy said this. Nancy said that um, I was gardening, and one of my neighbors came over to help and to chat. His name was Mick. He used to live across the street. He moved away, now has returned to care for his aging mother. Mick revealed that he's been struggling with trying to get and stay sober. I spoke with him about how Jesus could do for him what he has not been able to do for himself. I asked him what was holding him back, and he shared that he thinks he needs to clean himself up before God will accept him and help him. I explained that that's not how it works. We all come to him broken and dirty, and he cleans us up, and there is nothing Mick could have done to ever prevent God from accepting him. We know that some of us used to think that way, and there's still people you know and love. That's what's holding them back. They think they got to like, get their lives right. Some of you are sitting here going, I just got to clean this mess up, and then I can get to God. This is backwards. It's a lie. It's no, you just come to God a mess, he'll clean you up, right? He just takes us as we are. He does the fixing. You can't fix ourselves anyways. We can't fix ourselves anyways. Well, she said this. She goes, um, uh, he was not ready yet to accept Christ, and I told him I'd pray for him. Again, Mick didn't accept Christ yet, but there was movement. And Nancy celebrated the movement that was there and was part of the seeking process. A brother of ours named Brian said, at my high school class reunion, I met a man whom I did not remember from high school. His name was Tom. 
As we talked, I shared with him that Jesus loved him. This opened a discussion, and it became obvious that he was open to hear what I had to share. It was noisy and crowded, so I got his phone number and told him I would contact him later to further our discussion. The Holy Spirit reminded me repeatedly that I needed to call him. Two months later, I called him. He answered the phone and told me that he was surprised we were talking. He explained that the day after the reunion, he was diagnosed with advanced cancer, and the doctors told him he should have been dead two weeks ago. I met with Tom a few days later. I began to share with him about the condition of man and our desperate need for a loving Savior. As I shared, his wife sat in another part of the room listening. About five minutes later in our discussion, his daughter came into the room. She had been listening from the other room, and then she wanted to share about the pain and loss she had been experiencing and how she had been mad at God for years, but now was ready to follow Jesus. Tom, his wife, and his daughter all prayed to receive Christ. Like, that's just phenomenal because there was an intentional seeking. There was value placed, and these people came to know the Lord, and we rejoice with that, and we celebrate that. And so we, we, we don't want to back off. We're not, we're not stopping. We're just pressing forward as we move into the next year, which I'll talk about. But I do want to have just a little bit of an interaction here for a minute because I believe that so many of you have been praying and you've been sharing and you've been loving on people. And let's just celebrate this for a second. So uh, just two questions. I'm going to ask you to stand up, so just kind of get ready to do that. It's not a big deal. But if you prayed for somebody this year and they came to Christ, would you just stand up? I just want to see if, if, if you were praying for anybody this year and they came to Christ, stand up. Okay, we've got some people back here. That's awesome. Back up there, back there, back there. You prayed for someone, they received Christ. Look at that. These people prayed for people, they came to know the Lord. We celebrate that with the Lord. We celebrate what God has done, right? This is the work of the Lord. But they had to seek in order to celebrate. Now, next question. How many of you saw spiritual movement? Maybe they didn't give their lives to Christ, but, man, they had conversations. You thought, I thought we'd never have this conversation. Or you saw openness in them that you never saw before. Stand up if you saw movement and you were praying for people. Okay, go ahead. Stand up. If you were praying for people and you saw spiritual movement. See, look at that. This is a joy, and we celebrate that. We celebrate that. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Thank you. It's, it's just about being faithful. It's about being faithful and trusting God. We can't celebrate if we're not seeking and being intentional. We, got, we, we have to do that. And so, yeah, we're kind of closing a chapter, if you will, on this theme of New Life 1024, but hopefully the, the behavior and the disciplines that we've put in place aren't going away. Keep praying for those who don't know the Lord. Keep talking to the people um, when God opens up doors to share the gospel. Just, just little things, little seeds planted. We have to be faithful to keep doing that. And if we keep seeking... We're going to find reasons to celebrate. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful here at CVC. Man, so many of you are faithful in prayer. I've seen people in the prayer room praying over these names. Thank you for doing that. So many of you serve. I mean, you're serving in the community. You're serving here. A lot of the people who came to Christ, by the way, we saw 195 people indicate that they gave their lives to Christ this year, okay? 195 souls that said, I'm going to follow Jesus. 59 of them got baptized this year. Like, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's a high amount of people. Some churches don't see that in years, collectively. And we saw God do that amongst us in just this year. And you know what? The year's not over. We still got today. <laughs> we still got the next couple days. God might be moving in the hearts of someone here in this room that says, I need Christ, might be moving the hearts of someone that you've been talking to. That, that, and, you know, it's a number, but it just gives us a guide of what God's doing. And so thank you for praying. Thank you for serving, because some of those people came to Christ here in this room because you were doing what you were doing as a servant. 
Thank you for giving here because your investment here is, is always getting the message of Christ out there. So thank you for being part. We celebrate what the Lord has done. Now, with that being said, what's next? What's next? We have a new year coming. Well, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but uh, what we want is for those people who've come to Christ to really grow in this next year. Plus, all of us need to grow anyways. Anyone here still need to grow spiritually? I know I do. <laughs> we're all growing. And so being a follower of Christ, being a disciple of Christ, basically means two things. Be a disciple and grow other disciples. And so we're going to uh, spend this next year emphasizing being a self-feeder, being a discipler, and talking about how to grow and help others grow. And so I'm going to share with you guys next week some of our specific uh, points in our game plan to do that. But for now, I would just say prepare your heart for that. Mark Seek Week on your calendar. Pick up a Bible reading plan. Do, you know, do the Fruit of New Life assessment we have online to kind of look at your life and where you're strong and where you're, where you're weak and where you can grow. And, and come next week and be ready to hear some of the specifics about our teaching schedule and some of the other things we have in place for this next year to help grow us and grow others who come to Christ during this next year as we emphasize discipleship and growth. And here's what I want to do to close our time. One, if you are here, you're watching online, and you don't have a relationship with Christ yet, we'd love to share Christ with you. We, we'd love for that to happen. And, and really, all you need to do is, is before you leave here, man, stop, stop in our prayer code. Stop in the information center or in the guest reception center. There's a response card around you. Take, take that card and just write down, I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm trusting Jesus. And come find us. And we'd love to just pray with you, talk to you, answer any questions you have, and, and help you initiate, um, well, actually respond to the initiation of Christ um, that, that he's given you. And so, so that's one thing. The second is I want us to close this time in prayer. So obviously, if you're online watching, you can do this however you can where you're at. But I want to, I want to close this time in prayer. So I'm going to invite um, you first just to spend about a minute in prayer where you're at. And during this time, um, I'd say you can thank God for things that he's done in your life this year. There's probably people that you're still praying for that haven't come to the Lord. Man, lift those names up and pray for those people. Maybe you can even take what we've talked about and pray that over your life. God, give me a greater sense of value for the human soul. More than my phone, more than my car keys, more than, you know, just, just God, increase the value. Lord, increase my intentionality to, to reach and to grow. God, help me be more in the community, in the seeking process. Lord, help me celebrate. Help me give you a cause to celebrate. Like, take whatever you've heard, whatever God's putting on your heart, and just take a minute to yourself to just talk to the Lord. And then after that, I'm going to give you a different prayer exercise in, in just a minute. But right now, just take a minute. Just talk to the Lord on your own, okay? God, thank you for this year. We know that there's, there's not really a calendar in heaven and you're not flipping December to January in a new year. And God, th these are mechanisms that we use, tools that we use, Lord God, to track time and growth and progress. And God, we thank you for what you've done in our lives this last year. I thank you for what you've done in us. Thank you for what you've done through us, Lord. Pray that we continue to love and serve others well, share the gospel. Help us value the human soul above all things. I pray for anyone here that's heard this, Lord, and they're not with you yet. God, would you just continue to stir in their heart the value of their soul and the fact that your life and your death on the cross and your resurrection was your big evidence of your love and value for their soul, Lord God. May they walk toward you and believe today even. God, help us all to draw closer to you and to grow and to 
continue to be effective and intentional about sharing the gospel. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you into a second prayer exercise really fast. I'm going to invite you to stand. Can everybody just stand with me, please? I'm going to just give you a little disclaimer, forewarning. Some of you I'm about to freak out, but you'll find really quickly there's no reason to freak out. It is a community event. When you go in the Bible, you really don't see church demonstrated by a bunch of people in rows. You, you see groups, you see huddles, you see people interacting with one another. And this is one of my favorite ways of breaking the barrier of just kind of the stiff, forward-facing thing is just gathering with some people. And so in just a minute, I'm going to ask you just to gather with some folks around you, maybe just little huddles of three, four, five, six people. I'm going to ask you to have a prayer time. Some of you don't feel comfortable praying in public. You don't have to. You're not required to. There's no expectation that you do that. You can quietly pray. You don't have to open your mouth at all. But there's probably a couple people in your group that feel comfortable. And if that's you, I'd just say, would you just pray in your group? And it can just be a sentence prayer. It can just be, God, I thank you for fill in the blank. Fill in the blank with whatever you saw him do this last year. Maybe someone you uh, prayed for got saved. God, thank you that you uh, saved Jonathan. Maybe you saw someone was made movement. God, I thank you that in Mary's life, I saw movement in her life toward you. Um, whatever it is, just little sentence prayers in your group. And so uh, that way we're, we're connecting as a community. We're lifting this up as a community. I'm going to let you guys do that for a minute or so. And then Pastor Brian's going to take you out of that time by just continuing to worship through music. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm really joyful for what God's done this last year in our congregation and through our congregation. And there's so much more I didn't even have time to share about. But I'm also excited about what I'm going to share with you next week. So I invite you back as we start a new year. So at this time, why don't you just huddle up? Huddle up with some people around you. Don't be freaked out by it. Just huddle up. Meet some folks for a second. And then uh, pray. And then Pastor Brian's going to take you out in a minute.